0: Hello and welcome to the very first Concast podcast with your host, Connor Widmeyer. Today we have a very special first guest. He goes by the name of Derek Branch. Derek is a real estate investment consultant at Alden Pacific Investments in Santa Monica, California. We start out this episode by talking about Derek's career in the Los Angeles real estate industry before drifting towards sales, how to ask good questions why he views money as freedom. And then towards the second half of this episode, especially once Derek and I got warmed up, I really enjoyed the topics we talked on. Um, We talked about reading, sustained focus, some of the unique challenges and opportunities of this wonderful time we're living in. And Derek is one of the people in my life who's had the biggest positive impact on me. So I'm very excited to be able to share a bit of his wisdom with you today. Just a quick disclaimer, you're hearing me right now on my brand new microphone, but during the interview, I was just using my computer's mic, so the audio quality for me is less than optimal, but Derek, who does most of the talking during the interview, sounds crisp, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it.
1: What was it, our sophomore year in high school, you asked me if I wanted to come visit your brother at UCLA, Mm -hmm. and... I'd never been to California, so I figured why not. And we, I think we crashed on his floor. Yep. <laughs> in a tiny little dorm room in UCLA. And I thought it was just the coolest experience. Also, I remember we ended up surfing by the Santa Monica Pier, which in hindsight, it was probably one of the worst places we could have surfed in all of California, but... <laughs> You know, I think we had a really good time, and that's all that matters
0: yeah we we tried. We were out there for a while.
1: We um, did. I remember we got pounded on the shore break, and you were suffering. <laughs> totally. um, that was so super, super funny. but um initially, I'm from Greenlawn, New York, a small town on Long Island and uh, Long ways from home.
0: Yeah. How is that being across the country?
1: It's not bad, you know, um, I'm, I don't have any family out here, which sometimes gets difficult, but you know, you make friends and, uh, I have a lot of good friends out here who kind of bring me into their families and I get to spend time, uh, which is comforting.
0: Yeah, I got to see that in action. You definitely have a good network out there. And I know you're in the real estate industry. We want to kind of drift towards the career aspect. Where are you working now and how did you end up there?
1: So when people think of real estate, most oftentimes they imagine what we call single family residence agencies like a compass or keller williams and they're just selling homes to people Um, but in reality there's many different aspects to the real estate industry it's it's massive it's one of the biggest uh, industries in our country and it's broken up into many pieces one of which is residential brokerage so single family homes through four unit apartment buildings. And then you get into a sphere called commercial real estate, large apartment buildings, so five or more units. That's what I do, commercial multifamily. What I do, I'm an agent. So I help people buy and sell this specific product, which is again, the commercial multifamily buildings.
0: And what was the initial motivation to get involved in real estate?
1: So... I was studying to be a finance major at Loyola Marymount University here in LA and like many students I really had no idea what I wanted to be doing after I graduated same <laughs> and, you know so the only way to find that out is like Gary Vee says you gotta just try everything that you possibly can there's no other way to figure out what you like than just to dive in and try it, like this podcast. So, <laughs> well, uh,
0: just like this podcast.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's good to listen to other people and, and their takes on the industry too. Um, but really, at the end of the day, you got to, You got to try it and 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 feel what it, mm. what it's like, and if your skill set matches what's needed in that industry. So. I was confused about what I wanted to do within finance, because again, it's an equally as general field, equally as large. You have everything from investment banking and venture capital to wealth management and mortgage brokerage. I mean, you can really do a lot of things with, with that degree. You know, you could do something completely different, who knows, but I knew I wanted to be working with money in some way, it might sound vain, but I my primary goal was to generate as much capital wealth in the least amount of time. So that's why I chose finance to begin with. I figured if I can understand how money flows and how it works and drives the economy, then I'll be able to figure out how to create it easier. Yeah. Um, ended up being the right way to think about it because now i do understand a lot better how how money flows through our economy and and understanding the players in the field it it does turn out that the closer you are to those large sums of capital the easier it is to access it's it makes sense in that yeah way.
0: i've i've heard that analogy before too just the closer you are to the money like say you're selling an online course or something uh, the, the closer it is to money, right? Like finance, then sales, then whatever else down the line, the closer you are, the more you can make. But I want to yeah. bring it back towards you. Uh, why were you interested in accumulating capital? Like what is the motivation there?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I would yeah. accredit my dad to planting the seed in my head pretty early. Um, before Legendary I salesman, him. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Father Doug. So he began as a... a corporate sales for Xerox in Rochester, which is a printing and mailing services company. He was one of their top sales executives for many years before branching off and starting his own company, moving down to Long Island um, with a few partners where he was a VP of sales and uh, had a management role in the company as well. Um, And so my dad always understood that, in at least in today's day and age, in America, money is freedom. And Mm. the sooner you can create financial independence, financial freedom, you know, the better off you'll be to live with less stress and just do what you want to do all the time. It's a way to create security for yourself or your family and explore passions and hobbies which I had many of and a lot of them happened to be expensive you know I liked to sail I liked to snowboard and wakeboard and all good things that again just happened to be expensive hobbies and my dad made it clear you got to make a lot of money if you want to keep doing these things when you're older right right and so that made sense to me and so yeah I figured got to try to find a way to to make a lot of money to be financially independent and also on another level i saw a lot of things happening in the world which i didn't like and i wanted to change Um, one of those being climate change from a young age i recognized that the way we're handling our natural resources isn't ideal and i also understood that money is the most powerful tool to to make that change and those with money have power and then with the power you can you can do what you like um, and have a say in how this world is governed you know you have to acquire the most amount of capital which equates to more power um, and then you can invest in companies and, and technology that will change the world in the way that you you would like to see it be changed.
0: So to recap your motivations for freedom and then secondly maybe influence we could say or or power to have a, a positive impact that you saw. Money's not going to solve all your problems but it's going to solve all your money problems and that's yeah. a pretty good foundation.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny.
0: All right, so uh, lo- looking back you're you're a little ways down, you've you've graduated from college, you've started your career. If you could go back 4 or 5 years, let's say maybe right after you and I first flew to Los Angeles, how might you have altered the path you have taken now,
1: if at all? I Going back that far, I'm not sure there's many other things I would have changed, but I could point to, I uh, back to figuring out what I wanted to do within the finance realm. I started going to events and, researching a little bit about venture capital and real estate. And I figured that I wanted to be doing something, uh, with a more tangible aspect to it. Um, and for that reason, real estate appealed to me, you know, you can touch it, you can see it, people live in it, um, creates a physical world around you. Um, and that was interesting. So I went to a real estate career day at my school, Which was a big networking event where a bunch of principals and executives came and discussed what they do in the real estate sphere which ended up being a fantastic event to go to because i met a gentleman by the name of anthony walker who owned a company called buckingham investments i saw what he did and again many other people that day but his role intrigued me the most um, because it had a sales component And what my dad always told me about sales is you're kind of like the master of your own destiny, uh, Mm. captain of your ship in that you can set your limit to how much income you make in a particular year, Um, which appealed to me. Again, going back to the most amount of capital in the least amount of time, I figured you wouldn't want a limit on that. So something in sales was appealing he introduced me to a guy named John Alden, who's the the person I work for now about three years later. Um, But Buckingham and John Alden's firm, uh, it's a small shop. Right now, John, I helped John start his company. I I could say I was like the first guy that he hired. And so it was a startup in the real estate brokerage space. Right. Being at a small company has its pros and cons, but I will say when you're starting out in this space, if you happen to be interested in commercial real estate, you want a big team with a lot of deal flow and access to a lot of different people working together with all the resources already built out to bring you on board and train you as fast as possible. So if I were to start again in this space, I probably would have gone to a Marcus and Millichap or a large investment brokerage firm to to start out for the first few years.
0: Mm-hmm. To get the skills to work with a team that had everything already underway.
1: Exactly, they, they'd they already figured yeah. it out. They had it down to a science of- but
0: I. Can imagine maybe you were his first employee. You might have had some extra responsibility that you wouldn't have had at a big firm. I don't know though. So, can you touch on that? Any of the pros of going to a small boutique firm to begin with?
1: Yeah. So, it was an interesting time. Um, The reason I chose to go there was largely um, I was kind of figuring myself out personally. Um, And John was very helpful as a mentor and as a friend to give me the space and the opportunity to kind of figure out who I wanted to be, well, both in and out of the personal and professional spheres. And so there's a lot of flexibility to do so. I was able to touch many different parts of the company, working on building out a database, building websites, um, practicing marketing, Seeing many different parts of the company and trying to touch all of them to figure out which one I liked. So that was helpful because I quickly realized I didn't want to be building websites that didn't mesh with my skill set and my preferences, that I wanted to do sales, which was affirming. As you can imagine, figuring out what you're more naturally suited to. Um, yeah,
0: I can second that too. You're a natural salesman. Thank you. you. got a great skill set for that.
1: Yeah, I think it it worked well and I was interested in, in that space. So I figured out what I didn't wanna do. Uh, whereas working for a large company, you're gonna be thrown directly into the sales role and you won't get to experience any other part of the company um, or at least work in it. So, so that was helpful. Also, it was nice to see John build the company and to be next to him for that process. I got to see how the process of hiring was done, um, good hires, bad hires. He let me in on you know, the financial aspect of building a company, what things cost and building out a marketing system, building out a database. I was able to see these things firsthand. Whereas going to again, going to a large firm, they're already built out. Uh, which is helpful if you want to dive right into it. But I am i was a curious person, I still am, and it was nice to see that.
0: So. Yeah, something tells me that might be valuable to you down the road. I, I can definitely see you starting your own firm as
1: well. Yeah, you know, it's funny in this business, um, what typically happens is you go to a large firm, you do the grunt work of an analyst and a junior broker, for many years, maybe two, three, four or five years, depending on how, how much you like the firm. Usually you will then branch off and create your own brokerage like John did. And the motivating factor behind that is the commission split. Basically how that works is you have a brokerage house and then you're a broker an agent in that company and When you sell a building, if you're an entry-level agent, you're going to give about 75% of your commission to the brokerage house to split up between the people who helped you on that deal. Right. You're only making 25% of that commission, which it's not a lot of money. But when you start your own brokerage firm, you take home 100% of those commissions, which is a huge incentive for people to go out on their own once they figured out how the industry works and- how to make sales and there's really not much holding back agents from doing that once they have the requisite skills. Right. The
0: skills and probably the network helps as well too, right? That you've built out or is that illegal to take your network from the old firm?
1: So it's a good question in, in the business, it's all about your database and the contacts you have. Um, I actually don't know. It depends on what kind of agreements you sign. I think when you right, enter the front. Okay. Um but for the most part, yeah, your database that you built at that company is forfeited when you leave.
0: Oh, all right, all
1: right. Um, but what remains are those personal relationships you've developed with people in the industry, and you can't, you can't really uh, have that taken from you.
0: Right, that's hard to put a price tag on too, that's that's big. I wanna kind of pivot towards sales because I think that's something a lot of listeners will find valuable. You have a lot of experience at this point in sales. I've been with you on some of your trips, however you wanna call it, seeing you on the phone. Any just basically like 80, 20, this is how to be good at sales, like first principles, tips towards sales?
1: Sure, so there's there's a lot to break down there but john, John's a master at sales. He taught me a lot over the past few years. First things that come to mind are it's it's all about relationships. The faster you can build meaningful relationships in your industry, the more successful you'll be. And you know it doesn't have to be transactional. Um, however that looks to you,
0: I was about to ask that actually exact question. Like how, okay, you say it's all about relationships, but at the end of the day, if you're trying to sell something, how do you prevent that from slipping into a transactional sort of relationship?
1: So I think that comes down to working with people whom you actually like and who actually Mm -hmm. like you. Okay. There's a million different people to work with in the business. And when you start out, sure, you're going to have to work with people you don't like to make some money. and to gain that experience but as you go you'll learn how to say no to business sometimes if you don't get along and having that discretion only comes through making enough money to be somewhat uh relaxed in your in your role yeah back Um, to freedom again right that's that's right sense of freedom yeah, you need to you need to have made enough money to to say no to that next sale if if those people aren't who you want to be working with and doesn't fit your vision, which is a luxury. You know, it's freedom. Um so that's one thing. The other thing is honestly just just being yourself, being professional and adding value. That last part is key. Like just people will want to spend time with you if your personalities mesh first of all and you're able to provide them significant value not maybe not in every conversation but it should be very often that you're giving them something um Mm -hmm. to, to, to chew on or to take home something that improves their business or you know maybe a deal so those are a few things um yeah those are some
0: three really good first points right so you said it's all about relationships and then number two you want to work with people who you actually want to work with, right? So it can be about relationships. And
1: then- It's the more points that, um, largely what I do, if you're gonna be in commercial multifamily, most of your job is what we call cold calling. I'm sure most people are familiar with that term. I'm just getting on the phone. I'm looking up numbers of property owners and, more or less asking them if they want to sell their building. Not directly. There's definitely a nuance to it. And that's where the skill comes into play. But building trying to build relationships from scratch from from a phone. Call. Let me so say again, are you
0: cold emailing too at all or just cold calling?
1: So that brings me to a good good point, which uh, sorry, my next point here, which is it's all about the phone. In my business and in a lot of businesses, are gonna be brushed aside. But when you can get somebody on the phone, you can actively engage them and overcome objections in real time. Whereas in email, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so your response rate and your conversion rate from a cold call is going to be much higher than from an email. Email is a very helpful tool for marketing, but it's not a sales tool. And um Leading into, again, another point of mine, which is, John always loves to say, the phone is a tool to book meetings. So it starts with a cold call, and the phone is that tool to get in front of the prospect, we call them, or whoever you're trying to to work with. You know, it could be a potential mentor. It could be just a friend you want to make. I don't know, a girl that you saw at the bar that you, He's was cute. You got it. It's tool to to get to meet them. Obviously, you know, it's not like you're going to just have your entire relationship over the phone and the quicker you can book a meeting or set a place and time to go grab lunch or something. The easier and faster you're going to develop that relationship because we're social beings. We want to we want to shake hands. We want to hug each other. We want to look into each other's eyes and 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 feel one another's presence this is who we are as people and that's hard for our generation we're so used to just texting and emailing and almost avoiding personal interaction at all costs because it's harder but harder you
0: have to learn the skills yeah definitely
1: yeah but in many ways it's so much more worth doing like, think about all the times you've spent with people in person. It's obviously more valuable than DMing each other on Instagram. Those are seemingly worthless interactions. I
0: mean, it's basic uh, risk and reward too. You know, if you think about it, the risk of an in-person meeting, it could be awkward. If you're hiding behind a keyboard, then you're just behind a keyboard. But, but like you said, the reward is you're going to have the real connections in person. And if, as you're saying sales is all about relationships.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point. That brings you to the idea of fear inhibiting success, mm. which looks you right in the face in this business. We're all afraid to get told to fuck off on the phone. And it happens almost every day. You know? <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's going to be awkward, it's going to be uncomfortable. But Knowing that and going forward anyway, having that courage is what creates success. And you can apply that to so many different spheres of life. Totally
0: agree. Totally agree. Like fear as not a hindrance, rather like a cue to move forward. I've been trying to adopt that too.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's another thing John says as a cue. You, anytime you feel uncomfortable, you have to lean into it because there's something to be learned there. So leaning into discomfort is one of the biggest keys to success in this business and in life, honestly. And that's what this will teach you when you cold call people all the time and you don't want to ask them difficult questions. Mm -hmm. Um, Which another thing John taught me, if you're ever really afraid of asking a question, the best way to tee it up is by saying, can I ask you a question?
0: Huh. And-
1: Why? Because it's much easier to say, you can get that out of your mouth. Hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. And as soon as they say yes, you just feel more comfortable because they just agreed to something that you'd asked. They they are more comfortable because, okay, you're on the same page. You set an expectation, I'm gonna ask you a question. Now you say now you got to say it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's momentum.
0: Like, you know, momentum. Uh, body in motion stays in motion.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So you develop that momentum of going forward. Okay. Now you're moving, you're moving the needle. Now you got to ask the question. Um, and it's just something that it's a little trick that can really just take that degree of pressure off in the moment and allow you to move forward
0: yeah yeah i like that a lot just get going ask a question all right that was so that's really good and, and you mentioned that john gave you sort of that axiom of um fear as a cue rather than fear few as a hindrance or however you want to call it another one of these Johnisms, we'll call them that that you taught me and has been really helpful for me was do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it and I realized that, well, oh, wow. Yeah, that, that would be really effective. And I read the same thing in Charlie Munger's book. You want to comment on that one or comment on any other of John's teachings he's given you?
1: Yeah, sure. So that's a big one. That leans more into the personal side of doing business and you know, really developing your character. Because at the end of the day, business is about relationships and relationships come back to your character, how you operate as a person, how you, how you govern yourself. And John talks a lot about personal accountability. He's he's learned that through his business mentors who have become extremely successful in real estate. People want to work with people who are accountable, not making any excuses. People who make excuses, I, I do it too sometimes, they aren't trustworthy, because if you're going to make an excuse when something goes wrong, you can't solve the problem as effectively. But rather, if in every time something happens, you try and take your full part of your involvement with that and try and make it right, business works better. And and the people you work with are going to trust you more, they're going to like doing business with you. And it's going to create positive momentum in your career, in your life. And so that leads into that point of a simple phrase that John you know, liked to remind me of when I was beginning this business was do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. It's so simple, but it really matters. You know, if you say to somebody, I'm going to call you tomorrow at 10 a.m., that's the easiest thing you can do to build credibility is call them exactly at 10 tomorrow absolutely it's just it's just one of those things that's so immensely powerful and it seems so simple
0: them. like it's such a simple principle but you know believe it or not it's actually kind of hard to follow at first last time I was living with you was like August so I think you taught me that around August and I'm still trying to adopt it make sure that I'm following it and yeah that example you just gave right you say i'm going to call you at 10 a.m And you actually do it like it's just a step in the right
1: direction it is it's so powerful and i really do think that the more simplicity we can adopt in our lives the better our lives will be mm-hmm. the truth yeah. is oftentimes simple in my experience we try to overcomplicate everything in our lives as a defense mechanism but many things are more simple than they seem Um, and and a lot of it comes back to that being just being accountable to your actions and and to your words
0: all right so simplicity that's another operating principle for you
1: yeah great question um so when it comes to this business because i'm trying to relate this all back to my career at this point um,
0: you're doing a great job of that too
1: thank you so when it in this business, nobody's really telling you what to do. That's another disadvantage of working for a small firm. I get a larger commission split than I would at a Marcus and Millichap or a larger company, but nobody's watching over me, telling me how to spend my time. I'm a 1099 employee. I don't have to do anything I don't want to. I don't have to come to the office at a specific time don't have to do a number of certain a number of cold calls every day. You know, John suggests things to me, but it's entirely up to me to do them. I'll give you an example. Most days when I step foot in my office in Santa Monica, I pull out this notebook, it's sitting here next to me, and I write the date down and then I make a list of the most important things that I think I have to do today or sometimes all the things that I want to get done before I leave the office usually less than 10 items. One day in recent memory, I wrote down about 10 items again, and I started going down the list and checking off the items. Hours went by. Then I look back at this list and I think to myself, wow, most of the things that I wrote down here are a waste of time. Mm. time is the most valuable resource we have i i said okay i'm gonna pull out a highlighter i'm gonna highlight the number one most important thing on this list and just try to do that first and it comes back to i wrote down make 30 cold calls
0: so that's like the highest impact thing you could do when you first get to the office is to make 30 uh 30 cold calls
1: or whatever number that is that you want to. you only 50 oh yeah yeah
0: but like cold calls would you say is most high impact?
1: Absolutely, that is 80-20 rule thing. That's maybe more than 80% of of this business. I would say like 90 to 95%. All right. So so going back to simplicity, right? Like just having that clarity of what creates the most impact in your life Mm -hmm. and in your business will save you so much time make your life much more simple and lead to a lot more success. For me, it's cold calling. And it also happens to be the most uncomfortable thing to do. Right. You You can spend all day
0: going through emails, organizing your desk, but really you just got to get on the phone.
1: Yeah. I, I, I have spent a ridiculous amount of time doing the tasks that were more pleasant. Like you just said, looking at deals online and going, trying to educate myself. Okay, maybe I'll like learn about this thing. No, what's going to do, move the needle, as John says, is the cold calls. And you're going to learn too. And you're going to learn. You got to just, you got to step in the ring. You got to step in the ring and start throwing punches and getting hit. And that's how you learn how to fight.
0: And by the way, for listeners who don't know, Derek is
1: a black belt. You are right in Taekwondo. Yes
0: taekwondo black belt he just started fighting again uh not a (laughs) i wouldn't want to mess with him yo but just talking quick about um simplicity that idea of literally just writing down what you're going like making a list dude i try that i i go to a cafe and i write down okay i'm going to read for a half hour i'm going to study chinese for 15 minutes and then i'm going to write my blog for 30 minutes just writing that like it's so simple but that little organization makes me 10 times more productive Right. And um, yeah. it's really the simple things.
1: It is. It is so simple. Again, like we just we always try to make things more complicated than they need to be. But yeah. creating just ch- and I again, I think it's so important to do the most important things first. So once you do the hardest part of your day up front, it's smooth sailing. You have this sense of accomplishment, which is yes. efficacy and efficacy leads to more success. So you start out on the right foot um, to start your day. And and actually,
0: when I saw your dad at your college graduation last year, I asked him, hey, Doug, uh, what can I do to be successful? And that was one of the first things he said. He said, wake up early and, and work. <laughs> it was very simple, but you know it's great advice. Feel satisfied, get it done.
1: Few. Absolutely. Hey days. dude, I want to
0: hear if you have any specific books or podcasts um, you've given me great recommendations over the years, anything you'd recommend, maybe if we can tie it into sales, or I mean, we've also talked more general, um, general recommendations as well. Any sort of content recommendations for our listeners?
1: Sure. So I'll try to keep it related to sales and commercial real estate here, um, I have, I'm looking at a list of a few things that I wrote down. Um, We'll start with the last one I wrote down. Influence, you gave me this book. It's a phenomenal book about persuasion and sales and how people operate.
0: Love it.
1: That that one's a great book. Um, Ten
0: thumbs up, or two thumbs up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another one about Uh, money and raising capital. That's what it's called. Raising Capital by Hunter Thompson teaches you how to syndicate large deals, uh, which is a whole nother sphere. Uh, If you're interested, I would look up what that is. Um, A book that my buddy Nick Snyder just gave me about introduction to real estate is called A Commission Apart. Very easy read. It gives you a nice, broad overview of different parts of commercial real estate, more specific to multifamily investing. There's a book called The Unofficial Guide to Real Estate Investing. That'll teach you a little bit about how debt, as we call it, leverage, can create outsized returns on your equity, which is very, very important concept to understand. Probably the most important concept in all of finance is how to use leverage effectively. Um, I remember
0: you teaching me a little bit about that. Do you want to touch on
1: it at all? To keep it simple, everybody's heard of a mortgage. Everybody kind of understands, you know, credit card debt and how to borrow money, buy things with money that isn't yours. That's basically leverage. You're, You're using other people's money to buy something. And as we like to say in this business, there's good debt and bad debt. Credit card debt is bad debt. Well, let me backtrack. Buying things that don't make you money with debt is never a good idea. But buying investments with other people's money that generates a return greater than the cost of that debt makes you money and it's that could be
0: education too potentially too right
1: i think it could be education sure it doesn't have to be direct dollars um it could be you know it could be it could be future dollars like we we take out student debt to 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 go through university and learn things that'll make us more money in the future so absolutely Um, i think that's good debt Potentially. Depends on, yeah. Sometimes it's not worth it. Um, So that's the basic principle is let's say you want to borrow, keep it simple, a hundred bucks. And the bank is going to charge you, I don't know, interest rates right now are about three and a half percent. Bank's going to charge you three and a half percent. Um, per year to borrow that hundred dollars um now if you can take that hundred dollars by a stock that gives you a dividend of maybe again this isn't exactly how it works but to keep it simple they pay you a dividend of four percent per year
0: Ah, yeah so you're
1: you just made a half a percentage point on that $100 per year.
0: Plus appreciation.
1: Yeah, Yeah, plus that dividend stock's probably gonna go up in value, hopefully. Um, So that's the basic principle of how you make money with leverage. And the beautiful thing is it's scalable. So why stop at $100? Why not borrow a billion dollars <laughs> you know I mean? why not you got to convince the bank that you're worthy and that you're going to be right. able to have a plan to pay that back A reasonable risk yeah like you have to you have to create a really good strategy you can't just pull up to a financial institution and tell them to give you all this money for no good reason and that's why you have to have a specific uh, you know business model or uh an opportunity like a specific building you can go to them and say I'm going to buy this building this is what I want to do to it I'm going to renovate all the units this is how much money it's going to cost this is going to be the return on investment that I'm going to make I'm going to crush it right so much money on this and I'll definitely be able to pay you guys back you might be able to go to a bank and convince them of that Um, now there's other aspects involved like recourse and you have to have what we call collateral in many cases in the event that your plan doesn't work and they have to liquidate or sell the assets to get their money back um, but that's a side point um, cool yeah that was a
0: really good overview all right i'm going to steal a question from one of our favorite podcasters uh, tim ferris oh boy if you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Hmm. It's a hit or miss question because it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty all or nothing, but you know, it, it could be. It doesn't have to be absolute. First thing that comes to mind.
1: Well. You know, the first thing that comes to mind since we're talking about leverage would be something related to that. But that's not where I want to go with this. I'd rather, um, you know, I've heard this question so many times from Tim, but I never really thought about it myself.
0: Me neither. (laughs) It's a tough question.
1: I would say read more books.
0: I like it. Read more books. I totally agree. (laughs) I would put some money down on that billboard.
1: You know, I was having a conversation with my mom yesterday about my kind of new obsession with reading. Um, And I told her, I think the best way to learn as much as you can and become as smart as you can is to read as much as you can. I just think reading books and specifically like story format um, things that interest you is the primary way to become educated. And again, that seems simple, but so yeah. many people read books. like I don't get.
0: Dude, I have to, I really have to agree with you on that. And and I've been wondering like, why is that? Like, it seems so simple, but just the things I've read on my own, out of my own motivation, I remember and I retain and I can apply them. And I feel like exactly like you read more books. Like it's such simple advice, but it's provided me with so much. And I know Andrew Huberman, Dr. Andrew Huberman has a podcast and he talks a lot about vision. And this is kind of a each point, I don't know if it's really true, but well, I do know that it's true. He says, if you focus your eyes, right? It makes you focused. So there's something about your eyes being on a a close viewpoint, a narrow viewpoint. It totally changes the way your brain's operating than if your brain is looking wide. That's why he says, when you're resting, you should go take a walk somewhere where there's a long view. So you can totally like chill out your brain. So I think there's something with that, that vision how it, it makes you have to focus. And that's why you can retain so well from books as opposed to podcasts or other forms of learning that don't incorporate vision so explicitly.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I love Andrew Huberman. He is a phenomenal resource. And for those who don't know him, what is he, a Stanford neuroscientist? Exactly. And. He's so good at taking these incredibly complex ideas and distilling them down to actionable insights for us normies who don't have PhDs um, and aren't necessarily that well read up on science, but another, I like, think it's funny you mentioned this because I was literally about to say that he talks about Sustained focused attention, I believe. Sure. And I think that relates directly to books. And again, back to our generation, we have very limited capacity for sustained focused attention because of technology and because of this space of hyperactivity that we operate in every single day. We we read headlines. We don't read articles, um, and if something doesn't immediately capture our interests, we don't explore it. But there's so much to be learned if you can just stay in the zone. Like anything you want to accomplish in life, you have to you have to go for it. Like you're gonna fail several times you're going to fall on your face, but you got to get up and you got to keep moving forward towards that specific goal if you want to make it happen. And I know you could speak a lot about that with your language learning. Um, and you have to just be able to concentrate intensely on a single item for a long period of time. And that's what books will help you do.
0: Love it. Dude, that was exactly the example that was in my mind too. Um, with language learning was just like that. I had to find a way to make myself to focus on it. And like you said, failure was a part of that success. If I wasn't making mistakes, you're not gonna get any better. And um, yeah, it's crazy, man. When we start reading our minds, reading each other's minds, that's, that gets wild. That has happened a lot when we have really long, deep
1: conversations.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, So no. honestly, like I think I don't know what it is but we're just trained to give up nowadays like if something doesn't work okay just drop it and and go for something else you know it's like when well, really you think th- about
0: it like life has hasn't it probably never been easier like we have everything we have, like the problem is we have too much food not too little food and uh, we have unlimited entertainment at our fingertips like power of like a 1000 brains in our pocket. Um, But I think that comfort is actually, it leads to problems in and of itself, it leads to new problems. And we are the generation who has to figure out for the first time how to deal with those problems, like how we got, we have to be the generation to figure out how to deal with an excess food, with surplus food, how to deal with surplus information, how to deal with too much entertainment and not enough time and learn how to shut off through Meditation and learn how to focus through reading books, um, yeah. So just unique challenges, I think. But it, it's it's a good time. I, it, at the same time we can be here. I can talk to you right now in California, and I'm in Germany. So there are pros and cons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a superpower if we can learn how to use it effectively. But right. it comes back to that sustained focused attention. You know, you got to be able to shut off, like you said, shut off your brain through meditation. Or just be observant more than reactive, and understand how the things around us operate, how they, how, how things just work, and maneuver effectively within that. And then we can be incredibly effective with all this information. Um, yeah, it reminds me of shout out to Sam Harris. Mm. He's an awesome, awesome dude. Created this app that I know. Connor and I both use or have used in the past called Waking Up, um, he, it's a meditation app. And he also has lectures on there and conversations. And one of those conversations, I forget the, the gentleman's name, but he pretty sure he was a, a PhD. And he talks about his theory of information foraging. I don't wanna butcher this too much. Right. so I'm, another readers or listeners uh check out check out his app and explore the idea of information foraging. but it kind of i really actually is-
0: have it written on my computer still uh, oh. i could quickly summarize it
1: yeah, yeah essentially
0: yeah. information is to humans what food is to animals because we can then turn that information into money turn it into food etc right so information is like what humans search for and when say humans find a bushel of information, be it a blog post or a Twitter Twitter thread or a book, part of deciding the value is one part, how valuable the information is, but two part, how accessible new information is, right? So that's one of the reasons why I don't really like to read on my phone, because if I'm reading on my phone, all these other game or distracting things are just one swipe away. But if I'm reading on my Kindle, it puts me in a place where, in this domain, I just read. So, learning how to separate domains and even maybe having a place where you work and having a place where you entertain yourself and making sure that they're separated is a really effective way to make yourself focus more. And the, the second big point was you just have to learn to single task, like just like you were saying with books, like a superpower in this modern era of surplus of information, surplus of dopamine is to learn how to single task on the things that are important, whether it's cold calling, reading books, or whatever else is going to help you with your career and what you want in a life.
1: Yeah, I know you and I both really appreciated that idea, and it's so, so relevant. I think about it every single day, just single tasking, like deciding that you're going to do something and complete it before you move on to exploring any other new idea. um, So powerful, so powerful. And we're so easily distracted. Like I sometimes get, you guys, I'm sure people have experienced this. Like you go on your phone to do one thing and then the next thing you know, it's like 40 minutes gone by and you're like deep in your yeah. Instagram feed And you're like, what happened? You know, what was I even trying to do? We're just so easily Hacked by mm-hmm. the ease of access to new information. And
0: there literally are genius engineers trying to hack us. So we got to <laughs> cut ourselves some slack. But you're right, like losing 40 minutes every day, it seems like no big deal. But as you said before, time is finite. And yeah, it's just really a superpower to take back control of your time and attention.
1: You're going to die i love how gary says it. You're
0: gonna <laughs> die. it's true we are going to die
1: what are you going to do with your life what are you going to do with your time that's what matters
0: yeah wow man so, so we t- we started off we learned you wanted to pursue real estate because of freedom uh, accumulate capital so you could have a positive impact uh learned your your First principles, tips for sales, building relationships, providing value. Um, Ted, your, your billboard quote would be read more books. Um, just super valuable information today, Derek.
1: Yeah, you know, I actually wanna add something else. You reminded me. Um, another reason why I chose to work in real estate, my uncle, he's an extremely successful uh, commodities trader out of Athens, Greece, and he, so he trades, fertilizers chemical fertilizers to create food and he told me when I worked for him in Greece for a few months do something that people need Mm. you know okay there's always going to be a market for food either any way you cut it up people are going to need to eat food you know another thing relating to why I chose real estate I thought about that I said you know people always need a place to live and that made sense to me and so creating a business on societal needs, that's, that's a sustainable approach.
0: Okay. I have never heard of that framework, but I, I have to think about that. I really think there is something to that. If, if it's a need, not a want man's always going to be high. Yeah. Coming back to simplicity, dude, like supply and demand. I've really come to terms with in the last month as just being fundamental to like almost every interaction um for example a lot of people want to live in california it's very expensive and you can make a lot of money on commissions or very few americans speak german and then an american puts up video speaking german on youtube and they receive some traction that's that's supply and demand too you know and and yeah just it's the simple stuff as we keep saying
1: Keep it simple uh, we love simplicity
0: Cool, bro. Any last words for our listeners?
1: Um, yeah, don't get like lost in the sauce too much, you know. Do what makes you happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sometimes you gotta Eric, go, go surf, you know.
0: Oh yeah, we didn't even really touch on that. Quick quickly tell us about how you got into surfing.
1: Oh uh I started well wakeboarding became too expensive so i had to figure right. something out and um yeah i i love the ocean um uh, there's a lot you can learn from it um on that note again another tidbit find a good mentor it doesn't have to be a person sometimes it can be things like the ocean mm. teach you a lot you got to just listen that that's another thing i forgot to mention the key to sales is listening wow and really life, just listen and observe everything you can. And the more you can do that, the more you'll understand.
0: Listen and observe. Yeah. Great.
1: Yeah. Derek.
0: That was, that was fun. It was really fun. Thank you for being our first guest. You were an absolute pleasure just to catch up with you as a friend. Uh, I know you provided a lot of value information, valuable information for our listeners today uh thank
1: you bro yeah and um if i don't know how many people are going to be listening to this or interested in what i have to say but um i i could provide a list of books that we mentioned um and feel free to to reach out if you have any questions about any of the things that we talked about i love uh helping educate people
0: absolutely i'll link the books in the show notes and also link, uh, link to your LinkedIn and yeah, should be good to go.
1: Yeah. Or just drop my email.
0: Email as well. Yeah. Feel free to reach Derek. At, what's your, what's your email for people who are listening, don't have the show notes yet.
1: Uh, it's D branch, like a tree 789 at gmail.com. So D branch 789. 789.
0: All right, Derek branch. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, I'm going to stop the recording.